Good Tuesday afternoon, guys. I'm Jerry Miller, and this is the I Love Seville Show. Thank you kindly for watching today's program. It's great to connect with you wherever you do your, uh, your social media and engage with your content. We got Ian Caskell watching on LinkedIn. He's fantastic when it comes to client partnerships and helping fill um, staff um, vacancies for companies all over the mid-Atlantic. Ian Caskell, one of the good guys. John Blair, watching in Stanton. I love you, John Blair. Folks, look at the screen for today's headlines. We'll break some news on today's program, and the roles will be reversed. The breaking news originates often with yours truly. Today, the breaking news is going to originate with our Route 11 chip-eating sour cream and onion uh, aficionado, Judah Wickower, who... Um, is a jack-of-all-trades. We'll talk Tent Town. Now, the folks in Market Street Park asking, some would say demanding, the city of Charlottesville to provide electricity, running water, and bathrooms for what is 32 tents now in arguably the most visible park in the city of Charlottesville. We'll talk about that on today's show. I want to talk about Election Day. It's four weeks away. In four weeks, we'll take our family, my wife and I, and our two sons to an election booth and show my oldest, who is now five and a half, our youngest is ten months and change, when you're 10 months, you're still trying to figure things out. But our five-and-a-half-year-old very much can appreciate things and has a memory where things resonate with him for you know, years, months to come. I have very vivid memories of going to the voting booth with my mom and, my mom and dad. It would be my brother and I. They would take us right as the polls were closing my brother and I are sons of entrepreneurs. If you watch the program, you know my parents um, founded, managed, and operated a CPA firm. My dad sold his first practice, did very well with that sale, and purchased another one in Virginia after selling in Florida. Sold that one as well. My brother and I, we grew up in this CPA practice because my parents were working so hard. My mom as the client interfacing portion of the practice and then my dad and a couple of other team members as the ones that work behind the scenes doing the work for the clients, bookkeeping, tax prep, CPA consulting. My brother and I grew up in a room that was for a copier or a printer. It was... You know, 30 years ago when, 25 years ago when an entire office room was allocated to a copying machine, they would take us to the polls, I'd say in like the 6 o'clock, 6.30 hour, maybe polls close at 7, don't hold me to it, but right before polls would close, my brother and I were always so excited, absolutely Ian Caskell, we appreciate you and running into you um, as well. My brother and I would always be excited to get to um, the polls on election day. We knew we got our I Voted sticker. We knew we would often get donuts, albeit at the end of the day they were often stale. But we saw my dad, my mom in particular, a Cuban immigrant. She was born in Cuba and, and immigrated to America in the third grade without speaking English, put in an English-speaking school, ridiculed mercilessly by third graders because she couldn't speak English. Mima and Poppy, my grandparents, go from an upper middle class life to, to heading to Miami, Florida, and, and later the Naples area where they became a ditch digger, Poppy, and Mima, a hotel maid. My mom, always on election day, four weeks removed we are on election day, would take voting so seriously. It was a sense and point of pride for a Cuban immigrant that she was able to go and cast a vote in elections, a vote that mattered, especially as her home country, Cuba, became the, the nightmare of a tyrant and a dictator, Fidel Castro. 
So we'll break down the fact that we're four weeks away from Election Day on today's program. I want to give you a visualization. Deep Throat's son, we've monikered him High Voice, has gotten pretty damn talented at creating visualizations on how upzoning could impact the city of Charlottesville. There's one particular transaction that took place, and I'm looking at the GIS. It was registered on August 18th, 2023, so not even two months ago, by an LLC, Two Acre Wood LLC. This particular property is got a lot of potential. I mean, significant upside. It's a single-family detached home that was purchased for $899,000. $899,000 by an anonymous LLC. Maybe not anonymous. It's Two Acre Wood LLC. We don't know who owns it. Two Acre Wood LLC and Deep Throat Sun High Voice, um, a visualization we're going to show you of what nearly two acres could turn into right close to downtown Charlottesville. It's about a 60-second visualization that we're going to play that really, I think, is going to be impactful. This is really what upzoning could re reimagine Charlottesville, Virginia, reshape Charlottesville, Virginia, from a real estate standpoint. We'll play that visualization from Deep Throat and Deep Throat Sun High Voice. Judah Wickhauer is going to break some news today. His sources within First Night Virginia indicating to him, and his sources are at the boardroom table, are indicating to him for the second straight year, First Night Virginia, the New Year's Eve celebration on the downtown mall that champions a family-friendly environment that is not alcohol-related per se, First Night Virginia, we broke the news this time last year. In fact, Judah broke that news that First Night Virginia was going to get canceled. His sources were exactly right. We'll let Judah break this news, but the downtown mall is taking hit after hit after hit. And the news we're about to break on the I Love Seville show kind of follows that train. We'll talk Jerome Powell. Housing leaders... And, and, and let me put what housing leaders are from a perspective standpoint. The National Association of Home Builders, one. The Mortgage Bankers Association, two. And the National Association of Realtors, three. Three different organizations wrote a letter to Jerome Powell and the Fed to stop rate hikes, to lower rates, and to take pressure off a housing industry that has seen values escalate. At the same time, inventory levels have shrunk. At the same time, interest rates have popped to the highest level we've seen in decades. The 30-year fixed, depending on where you shop, is right at 8%. That means in less than three years... It has nearly 4X'd. I, I really want to put that in perspective. Three years ago, less than three years ago, at the onset of COVID, COVID and the pandemic started in March of 2020. Throughout 2020, we were seeing the 30-year fix, depending on where you shop, somewhere between two and change and four and change. Those with the best credit and the most upside, we're getting rates in the low twos. That rate is now at 8%. It has nearly 4X'd in less than three years. At the same time, values have escalated and appreciated over 30% in this locality, this jurisdiction, this region, even more, while inventory levels are slim to none. What is also compounding that matter for Central Virginia is the influx 
of out-of-towners moving to Charlottesville, working remotely or hybridly to enjoy and take advantage of the quality of life that some of us have known about our entire lifetime, or in my case, for 23 years. We'll talk about that on today's show. I also want to highlight on the program the role of City Council for supporting the downtown mall. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. The Tuesday edition of the I Love Seville show is locked, loaded, and crammed with content. Judah Wickhauer will welcome you on a two-shot. And I just want to have, you know, the type of discussion that you and I are getting known for. Two guys at a barbershop, two guys at a bar, at a coffee shop, talking about topic matter that's important to our community. Tent Town on Market Street Park is now asking, some would say demanding, some would, some would say utilizing the power of collective bargaining, where the 30-plus tents and their inhabitants are now unified in what they're asking of local government. And that unified ask is electricity, running water, and bathrooms. Where do you want to begin on this? I mean, <clears throat> it's a tough one. But like I said before, what were they doing before? I, you know, I, I'm not saying we don't provide resources to people, but these are a bunch of essentially squatters in, in, a, in a park. In, I'm pretty sure they've already got electricity in some form or another. I've seen people charging phones there, at least before the, uh, before the tent town sprung up. As for the water, I don't know. I, I guess uh, they've got one of, those, uh, one of those crank water things, but uh, as far as I remember, I've always seen it locked up, so I don't think it's ever worked unless you had the key. Um, and they got a transformer or one of the electrical boxes in the park where Tent Town is asking for access to that. So electricity could be provided for Tent Town and Market Street Park. The, uh, I'll, I'll offer some perspective here. The porter potties, the, the, what do you call them? Porter potties? Yeah. I, I don't think that's a bad ask. Yeah, I don't really think that's a bad ask either. If Sam Sanders, the city manager, is going to allow folks to transform a park and evolve it into a campground, Sam yeah. Sanders needs to provide porter potties. And Sam Sanders, the city manager, this is his brainchild. His pet project. His pet project, right? He has led the charge on this. A newly minted city manager has led the charge on this. Porter potties are reasonable. Electricity and running water legitimately are utilities. Utilities that Tent Town will not pay for. Right. Utilities that will be paid for by taxpayers, city residents, business owners, not by Tent Town. Yeah. And at that point, we legitimately are getting into shades of Hooverville, a shanty town built during the Great Depression by the homeless in the United States. Hooverville, named after Herbert Hoover, who was the president of the United States during the onset of the Great Depression. You start providing electricity and running water at the same time of lifting a curfew, at the same time of having porter potties, all in a location that is within spitting distance of soup kitchens that provide free breakfast, lunch, and dinner, all within a location, the downtown mall that has foot traffic where folks can ask said foot traffic for money. And you legitimately have created, how do you characterize it? I mean, a town. A town. You've created a town. Yeah. Why would you leave? Right. You have no overhead. I mean, why would you leave? It's not even a question of leaving. I mean, we've got people actively trying to join the tent town, don't we? I mean, oh, the, we've, the, we've all seen the number of tents grow. It's so obviously nobody wants to leave. The tents have doubled in two weeks. At least, right? Yeah. 
I mean, when they first started popping up, there were like maybe five of them. And that was before the, uh, the curfew was, was rescinded. Kevin Higgins asked this question, where will these folks go when it becomes freezing? Where were they, where were they before? I, I mean, these are all interesting questions, but uh, what, I think I read somewhere that um, somebody was saying that we've had these problems for years. I don't, why is it all of a sudden that uh, it, it's like... Joan Fenton made like that comment. It's like you've been standing on the train tracks watching a train approach you and then you turn around and act surprised when it hits you. Like we've, it's not like we've never, it's not like we've ever not had homeless people in Charlottesville. So I'm not sure what changed in the, uh, in the last year, uh, but Obviously, we need to do something. We need to provide a space to, so that we can so that we can get the park back. Because I I don't think anybody, including Sam Sanders himself, believes that this is a good uh, a good use of the park. Joan Fenton is who Judah mentioned. Joan Fenton owns a number of businesses on the downtown mall, and Joan Fenton, in very down low fashion, is one of the prolific downtown mall real estate owners. She has a handful of holdings on the downtown mall proper. And Joan Fenton, in a recent media, um, in a recent media story, television, it might have been CBS 19, said, we've had this problem for decades. As long as she can remember, Joan Fenton said. But Joan Fenton also made the point, we didn't create an encampment or a town for them right off the downtown mall. Bill McChesney says... If this is Hooverville, will Tent Town be called Snookville? And I responded, I don't think that's fair to Mayor Snook. Right. Because this isn't Mayor Snook's doing. This is Sam Sanders' doing. Yeah. So what's the moniker? If it was named after Herbert Hoover in the Great Depression, what's the moniker for Sam Sanders here? Sanderville. Is this Sanderville? Has Sam Sanders, the city manager, created... Sanderville and downtown Charlottesville. And what's, what's the exit strategy for Sanderville? I, um, does anyone know? I mean, like, is it, is it just a rip off the bandaid exit strategy where <laughs> one day Sam Sanders is going to head to Sanderville and just Sanders pull the bandaid and say, you guys have to leave. You would think, I mean, what's, what's the alternative? I, Eventually, hopefully, we'll have a facility somewhere. But uh, are people then going to just migrate out of the park? What's that exit going to be like? Somehow I don't see it being that easy. Neither do I. Cully Baggett, the developer watching the program, says, I feel like there is plenty of room in the shelters here in Charlottesville. I could be wrong. If these people would abide by the shelter rules and mandates, then they, should, they could stay there in the shelter. But what they want is all of the amenities that a shelter requires, but in a lawless society where they can do as they please. Um, I will say this, Cully Baggett, unfortunately, unfortunately, and we've dug deep into this, Judah and I. We've talked to elected officials and the powers that be. There are 100 beds available in two shelters. 100 beds. We have a homeless population in this area of 300 individuals and counting. So we do not have enough beds in the shelters to accommodate the homeless population. Though, as some, as some have brought up, when do you stop building? Well, and, and to follow the point you just made, and it's a good one, if you do build and accommodate, will that encourage more to arrive? Will that, will that even make them leave the park? And yeah, will that, if you build a great facility, will, they, will it bring more, uh, more houseless individuals from outside of the area? I mean, it's... I'm sure a lot of cities are dealing with this issue them, themselves. Maria, Maria Marshall Barnes leaving some fantastic commentary on my personal Facebook page in the comments section. And, and, 
it's important to highlight this. We'll get to LinkedIn. We'll get to your comments, John Blair, in a matter of moments. Ginny Hu on Twitter. We'll get to your comments here in a matter of moments. Eggstore Sean. We'll get to your comments in a matter of moments. Deep Throat. We'll get to your comments in a matter of moments. Show's blowing up. Bill McChesney was one of nearly three dozen viewers and listeners that sent me the Park Street visualization that's circulating on YouTube. Vanessa Parkhill, we'll get to your comments in a matter of moments. Got a TV station watching us live on air as we speak right now. Michael Buchensky. This is an interesting comment by Coach B. You need to go to the park, interview the folks living there, and find out what they would need to leave the park. Get it from the source. Two-shot, you want, you, want, you want to take on that? Uh, I mean, it's, it's not a bad idea, but you might also end up with 50 different, uh, you know, 50 differing opinions. I haven't, uh, I, have, I have actually been avoiding the park. <clears throat> and um, I talked to an attorney friend, an established attorney that works in Charlottesville on East High Street, two blocks, three blocks that way. Mm-hmm. We're on Market Street, three blocks from us. And he straight up said, I refuse to walk on the mall. On the downtown mall? On the downtown mall. I mean, that's kind of nuts. He said he does not like the aggressive panhandling, and he refuses to walk on the mall. You're about to break some news on how, the downtown how mall. How often do you see aggressive panhandling on the... I mean, you know... I, I see it often. Claire, uh, Claire, I, I, okay. I, is, it, is it Turney? Am I saying your last name right, Claire? Attorney, she says, has anyone talked to the folks currently living in the park about what they prefer being there, about why they prefer being there versus using existing shelters? It's a fair question. I'll do this. I will go to the park this week. It's two blocks away, three blocks from our studio. I can walk outside our studio and see the park. I will go to the park this week and invite folks in the park that are residing in the park on the I Love Seville show. We will provide bottled water and get some slices of pizza, pepperoni pizza, from one of my personal favorites, Vita Nova on the downtown mall. I will say I'd like for you to join us on the show. We'll have pizza and bottled water for you to, if you'd like to join us on the program. And we'd just like to get your firsthand perspective of what's going on in Lee, sorry, uh, Market Street Park, excuse me. Attorney, I said it correctly, thank you. Catherine J. Peters Finn says, shelters prohibit drug and alcohol use. And she's curious if that's prevalent with Market Street Park and why folks are choosing to live in the park. Maria Marshall Barnes also responds and says, plus they have curfews and rules in shelters for you to consider continue staying in those shelters. Yeah. Now you need to break some news here. Judah Wickhauer's got some news to break. We'll get to LinkedIn comments here in a matter of moments from the esteemed John Blair. Ginny Hu, we'll get to your comments in a matter of moments. Sean on Twitter, we'll get to your comments. Yabada Pai Me says electricity, running water, toilets. What's next? The NFL Sunday ticket? The red zone? Direct TV? Bit of a, bit of a stretch, but I understand her tug-in-cheek perspective. Why don't you leave with the breaking news here? In fact, put yourself on a one-shot with the headlines. I think you got a big one if you got that mm-hmm. set up. And I'll respond as the roles are reversed here on the I Love Seville show with you running number one and me running number two and adapting to you. Tell me when you're on a one with the headlines and you can go ahead and break this news. Once you say this, it's going to be in all the media outlets. So prepare yourself. All right. Here we go. I'm going to the one shot. Uh, <clears throat> sadly, I have, a, I have an inside scoop uh, as I had last year into the, uh, into the first night Virginia. And sadly, from what I have heard, the, uh, the former head of, you know, organizing the whole thing, uh, who was not taking care of it last year. Well, say the name. Okay. It's public record. Drake Van Castle. Uh, 
he is the uh, I don't even know if there's a council involved anymore, but he was in charge of it. He is living out of state now, uh, doesn't have anything to do with it. Um, he apparently has been looking for someone to take over his uh, his job, his post as uh, as the organizer of First Night Virginia. And as of now, I think he's given up. He has not been able to. F- I think he had someone that that may have been able to, and that fell through. So as it stands, there will be no First Night Virginia. Um, I think he would be amenable to somebody here uh, with the uh, the will and the power to organize something like this. Obviously, there's not a whole lot of time left in order to do that. whole lot of time? But... Uh, We've got 90 days. <laughs> Less than 90 days. He's... Uh, He's paid for the uh, he's paid for the website to continue. Uh, my friend was in charge of uh, setting up the website, making sure that um, acts that were coming to Charlottesville could input their information into the system, so that we had all the proper you know uh, descriptions of them, things like that. He was also in charge of. Uh, of all the wristbands and all that kind of stuff. I think that uh, what we really would need, if there was even a possibility of this uh, this happening, would be someone to gather the uh, the acts, the bands, and coordinate with the with the downtown mall. Um, and as I said, I have no idea if that is even possible at this point. But I figured it would be better to uh, toss it out there. And uh, see if someone bites, then to just say, sorry, guys, no first night Virginia again. Two shot. First night Virginia has got a very positive and long lasting history in Charlottesville, Virginia. You can find it online at firstnightva.org. Firstnightva.org is the URL. I'm going to go to the history page, Judah. First Night began in Boston in 1976, Boston, Massachusetts, as a way to bring neighboring communities together in celebration. Charlottesville, Virginia, held its first First Night Virginia which was only the second one in the nation at the time, in 1982. The premiere of First Night Virginia was held in Charlottesville in 1982. It was the second of its kind in all of the United States of America in 1982. Mm -hmm. Last year, are we on a two-shot? Yep. Last year, this man, Judah Wickhauer, very likable guy, broke the news that First Night VA would not take place, and we attributed it to... Lack of... Mismanagement? Yeah, basically. He'd been... uh, I think he'd been working less and less at organizing this thing year after year, and it was just more than he could handle. And considering the fact that... I don't know exactly when he moved out of state, but... I believe he's been living in Florida, and I mean, who would want to? Who would want to? It's just, why would you want to live somewhere else and try to organize something for Central Virginia? It's just—it sounds like a pain in the butt. Sadly, he should have passed it on, and he didn't. Now that he's trying to, and it's seemingly too late. At least for another year. Last year, at around this time, when we broke this news, and this will be in the legacy or traditional media cycle soon. Last year when we broke this news, we gave a free pass and we attributed that free pass not to mismanagement, but instead the collateral damage of the pandemic. Coming out of COVID, it was 2022 and we gave a bit of grace and a pass, a free pass because we were coming out of COVID. We are significantly out of the pandemic now. And it's been an entire calendar year, and the mismanagement still is present and persistent. 
The reason we bring this up today is because A, First Night Virginia, has, except for last year and what looks like this year, will not happen. Yeah. And it's happened every year since 1982. That's a pretty darn good run. We also bring this up because downtown Charlottesville, which I'm passionate about, you care a lot about, yeah. of late has not been catching many breaks. No. And sadly, this would be another missed opportunity. Yes. An opportunity to bring a crowd of people to see downtown and all its positive spotlight. Yeah. That's what these eight blocks need. Because lately we've talked parks turning into campgrounds, campgrounds evolving into Sandersville, and Sandersville now being potentially the foundation of utilities, water, and electricity covered by taxpayer dimes. Yeah. Taxpayer dollars. We've talked aggressive panhandling, a shootout in the shadows of the Omni Hotel, OK Corral style. We've talked a drop in foot traffic. It needs to catch a break. Yeah. So I ask this question to you, the viewer and the listener, to you, Vanessa Parkhill, to you, John Blair, to you, Ian Caskell, to you, Trey Barham, to you, Claire Turney, to you, Kevin Higgins, Bill McChesney, Cully Baggett, Catherine J. Peters Finn, Maria Marshall Barnes, Kevin Higgins, Kevin Yancey, to Grayson watching in North Downtown, to Kelsey who has said she's hesitant to walk around at night, to you, Chip Southhard, I ask you these questions. One specifically, to you, Judah Wickhauer, what is the role of city council and local government to supporting and fostering an economic ecosystem in downtown Charlottesville? What should we be asking of elected officials and a city manager that's making nearly a quarter million dollars in total compensation per year to change the brand or the direction of downtown? Is this brand and direction the responsibility of local government, of a city manager or elected officials, or can they continue to be hands-off as they've been since the start of the pandemic? We did not see from city council the conversion of parking into dining. We saw that in Stanton where John's watching. We saw parking spaces get the flexibility for restaurateurs to convert parking lots and parking spaces into dining, mm -hmm. tables, outside yeah. seating. We didn't see that in downtown Charlottesville. Mm -hmm. I've been a significant champion of the beer garden concept on the downtown mall to drive foot traffic and visibility. We haven't seen that. We've seen the beer garden concept at Stonefield. We've seen the beer garden concept at Fifth Street Station. We've seen the beer garden concept in the town of Scottsville. It's downtown. We haven't seen it in the city of Charlottesville. We've seen next to no management when it's come to panhandling. No signs put up discouraging the donation of dollars. We've seen that in Waynesboro. We've seen that in Stanton. In Augusta County, we haven't seen it in the city. What is local government doing to drive, to nurture, to blossom an ecosystem and eight blocks that are lacking tender, loving care? Your thoughts, and then I'll get to the viewers and listeners. J-Dubs, the show is yours. Oh, man. <clears throat> I don't know that they've done a whole lot either. I, um, I think that it should certainly be something that they that they take an interest in. I mean, uh, keeping the city not just uh, not just running but successful. <clears throat> and I think a major part of that is uh, the downtown mall. 
Uh, we've certainly got, you know, we certainly got our fair share of breweries and wineries and and other attractions, uh, from UVA to the uh, to the games and, uh, but I don't think there's anything that uh, that quite uh, exemplifies Charlottesville as our downtown mall. Exactly. And, uh, and exactly. Allowing it to uh, allowing it to go to ruin uh, would just be a sad statement of uh, of our leadership. I think. Claire Turney says, I, "It had not even occurred to me that the city would do anything about these issues. I'm not sure what the city's role should be." Bill McChesney, the mayor of McIntyre, says Jeff Fogle, the activist attorney, killed panhandling enforcement. Bill McChesney Mm. says, I thought there was a business development office in downtown Charlottesville. He asked, whatever happened to the housing affordability project that the Park Street Christian Church had proposed? Multiple media outlets watching us on the show as we speak. Vanessa Parkhill, the queen of Earliesville, says, I'm sure everyone who got up and went to work this morning is not as excited about it as you and Judah are about your jobs, but they do it because that's what responsible people do to provide for their families and, their, and themselves. There were times when my mom worked three jobs. Same goes for many people I know growing up in a blue-collar town. They would have hustled and, five, and done five jobs before asking for a handout. Support for the sick and elderly is one thing, but able-bodied folks, I just do not get. Vanessa Parkhill, the queen of Earliesville, with that commentary. Let's go to LinkedIn. John Blair. Jerry, I can't express how sad the potential cancellation of First Night makes me. Our child and his friends always loved the bubble wrap stop and other kid-friendly activities. I am sad that your children may not have the same opportunities here. You want to touch on that, Judah? I mean, I don't know that that, that pretty much says it all. It's uh, it's a it's a time uh, that's full of uh, full of festivity and lights and, it's not and booze, joy. It's not booze driven. Yeah, and even if it was, I mean, it, it's you know, uh, there there was uh, at the uh, the what was the festival the the lights. Um, at um, the Boar's, Head? Boar's Head. Winter Wonder. Yeah, I mean, they sold alcohol there. But it but wasn't the primary focus. Yeah, yeah. That's what my point is. Right, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's certainly not primarily focused on booze. And, it's, and uh, I think downtown needs that. Yeah, it's a festive, it should be a festive time. It should be a time of, you know, admiring the, the lights on the tree at one end of the mall, uh, looking at all the... Uh, you know, look at all all the businesses that have that have uh, gussied up for uh, for Christmas and New Year's Eve, and it's a great time to it's a great time for everyone to come out and enjoy each other's presence and just the activities that are that are set up for the uh, for first night. Claire Turney says, to clarify in terms of solving problems on the mall, she says, when I think about who could help, I do not imagine city council. Maybe it should have a role. She says, I moved here in 1999 when the downtown mall was already in place. What was the city's role in establishing the downtown mall? Bill McChesney, you're watching this program. You can offer some perspective on this. The downtown mall, I got here in in 2020, got here in 2000, so a year after you. Uh, Clara, I've been here 23 years. You've been here 24 years. From what I've been told and the research I've done, very much it was city council who drove the downtown mall's creation. Bill McChesney, offer some perspective on this. You're the mayor of McIntyre. Heather Walker, the queen of Johnson Village, offer some perspective. In 1976, according to Wikipedia in the Charlottesville downtown mall, the East Main Street was converted into a pedestrian mall designed by a landscape architect, Lawrence Halprin. In 2007, Charlottesville planned a comprehensive rehabilitation and renovation of the downtown mall. Construction on the mall renovation began on Sunday, January 7, 2009, and was completed that summer. The 2017 Charlottesville car attack also put the downtown mall, this was Heather Heyer's death, which I call a terroristic attack, front and center. 
But if you do some research and some history, and I'm really hoping Bill McChesney will share some perspective on this because he's very much a historian when it comes to Charlottesville, city council was instrumental in creating and envisioning the downtown mall. Let's go to Twitter. Then I want to play the Park Street visualization, which I think is important. Ginny Hu says this, we have family and friends who used to travel from out of town just to attend First Night Virginia. That's tax dollars without the infrastructure burden that Charlottesville City no longer receives. Yeah. First Night Virginia was attended by many hundreds, if not thousands of people that did not live in the city. She's exactly right. Yeah. Incremental tax revenue that was not linked to schools, roads, and utilities that the city cares about very carefully. And not just incremental tax revenue, but what about, uh, what about where those people were all staying? Bingo. Judah dropping dimes. Ag Store Sean on Twitter says there's no off-ramp that does not result on eggs on the face of Sam Sanders. Mr. DL watching the program right now. Twitter, give the show a like and a share. Is the Market Street Park now Sandersville? I want to play a visualization of 1115 Park Street. I'm on the Charlottesville GIS as I speak. 1115 Park Street was purchased on August 18th, 2023 by an LLC called Two Acre Wood LLC. Two Acre Wood LLC. The purchase price, $899,000. That's not chump change. That's $900,000, basically. $899K, the purchase price. Deep Throat, a valued viewer and listener of this fine and fair talk show, has a very talented son who we have monikered High Voice. High Voice is a wizard with computers and visualizations. High Voice has put together, is it roughly 60 seconds long? Uh, I believe it's 50, yeah. It's roughly, it's just under a minute. Yeah. High Voice has put together a visualization of what 1115 Park Street could become with upzoning. And this visualization, if it becomes reality, would undoubtedly change the shape, the character, and makeup of one of the most prestigious roads in the city of Charlottesville. Judah Wickhauer, please play High Voices Visualization. An example of potential development comes from a lot that was recently sold on Park Street. The lot contains almost two acres and a single family home. With the addition of a stub street and the demolition of the home, several lots could be formed out of this one lot, and an RB building could be built on each. The lot was purchased by an anonymous LLC. First, we see a flyover representation of how the area looks today. And now we see it with the original house demolished, a stub street added, and four RB buildings added on four new subdivided lots. That's Deep Throat's son, High Voice, a visualization created by, I believe, a 12-year-old with tremendous upside and talent. One other item I'd like to highlight, Deep Throat and High Voice, with their significant, significant computer skills, now are going to start utilizing chat GBT to transcribe city council and planning commission meetings. Hmm. The entire transcript 
of City Council and Planning Commission meetings will be provided as a resource for the community thanks to Deep Throat and High Voice. Nice. No longer will we have to search or source Twitter for a human's perspective or commentary on council. It will be provided an exact verbatim detail. More on that on the I Love Seville show as the week progresses. John Blair says this. John is responding to Claire Turney, who's watching on Facebook. John is watching on LinkedIn. Claire, this is some perspective for you from a man who knows the community inside and out. Jerry, the city not only played a role in the infrastructure of the downtown mall, it closed East Main Street and bricked it up, but the city and local government also played an active role in its development. The city and local government worked out a deal with the Economic Development Authority and private partners to develop the pavilion, which has been quite a concert venue. That private partnership, that public, excuse me, that public-private partnership done with the city and local government and the very resource-networked and connected Corin Capshaw of Red Light Management, mm -hmm. one of the most influential men in music and a guy that undoubtedly shaped the future of a band you may have heard of, the Dave Matthews Band. I would say the pavilion has been quite a positive for the downtown mall. Definitely. Claire says to Deep Throat, transcripts are an important resource for the hard of hearing and neuro, neurodivergent folks as well. Hmm. So she gives High Voice and Deep Throat some props. Nice. Bill McChesney says about the Park Street purchase that is right next to Macca on Park Street. You drive by this literally, I mean, heck, do you drive by this every day? Yeah. MACA is the Monticello <clears throat> Area Community Action Agency. It's down a little uh, side street or something, but yeah, I drive by that, uh, the entrance to it every day. Two Acre Wood LLC, just under $900,000. Hmm. What is the potential the upside, and what will become of this two-acre parcel on Park Street that has tremendous upzoning potential? Those are questions that should be asked, that must be asked, that need to be asked. Vanessa Parkhill, high voice is extremely impressive. No doubt. I know high voice personally, and I concur Quite an impressive young man. What'd you make of the visualization? That's great. What did you make of that kind of density on Park Street? I mean, I hope they're going to. <clears throat> I hope they're going to account for that uh, somehow. Give us a snapshot of Park Street when those lights at the bypass and the bridge are backed up. I mean, uh, I'm fortunate in that I don't see it backed up too often. But And why uh, is that? Because we strategically <clears throat> shaped arrival and departure times. Yeah. One of the reasons this outfit starts at 9.30 in the morning and ends at 6.30 p.m. is to strategically avoid drive-in time and drive-home time. I can offer some perspective firsthand and perspective relayed to me by my beautiful better half who drives our oldest to school. Yeah. It is a clustered duck, quack, quack, quack. Oh, yeah. At the bypass and on Park Street at drive-in and drive-home time. Yeah, no doubt. Anywhere else you want to add? Anywhere else you want to go? I mean, that's, that's mainly it. Uh, I could... I could definitely see uh, the addition of something like that causing some severe congestion. Uh, Charlottesville has never been uh, a well-planned city or town or whatever you want to call it. Um, I've often thought that uh, 
the city planners must have been on acid because seriously um, some of the streets around here are just nuts and I don't see any good way of relieving more uh, more traffic on Park Street um, just how do you build anything in Charlottesville much less uh, fix some of the problems that are inherent in the system Maria Marshall Barnes, we appreciate your perspective today on the show. Viewers and listeners, your thoughts on the visualization we just showed. Can you play the visualization with us talking over it, please, sir? All right. An example of potential development comes from a lot that was recently sold on Park Street. The lot contains almost two acres and a single-family home. With the addition of a stub street and the demolition of the home, several lots could be formed out of this one lot, and an RB building could be built on each. The lot was purchased by an anonymous LLC. First we see a flyover representation of how the area looks today. And now we see it with the original house demolished, a stub street added, and four RB buildings added on four new subdivided lots. I know who put the visualization together and the talent and research behind it. An example. We're back. We will continue to play visualizations on this program from our friend and partner, Deep Throat, who is going to provide transcripts of city council and planning commission meetings as a free resource for our community. Those transcripts will be integrated into this talk show. Logan Wells Claylo says this, Jerry, there is also a proposal for MACA, the Monticello Area Community Action Agency, and part of the Park Street Christian Church to become affordable housing. Rio Road cannot handle that increase in traffic. Then you add this visualization from two, wood, two acre woods and the congestion is going to be nightmarish. Yeah, I believe it. I mean, that is at the bypass right there. It's a two lane road. Yep. Have you ever tried taking a left out of First Baptist Church at rush hour? You are at the stop sign at First Baptist Church so long that First Baptist Church put a sign up at that intersection saying, don't even try to take a left, just turn right and go the long way on the side streets. Yeah. Curiously, there are two traffic lights on Park Street right there at the bypass and the bridge, one right after each other. You know what I'm talking about? You're talking about on the bridge? On the bridge. Yeah. yeah They're because, right next to each other. Because they can't work people, you know, going, I, you know, I, I kind of get it, but it's... It's very odd. It's a mess. You, one side has to wait for the other side, then the other side has to wait, and then uh, everybody waits for the, uh, the side streets. <clears throat> and it's just kind of messy. What would you like to know about this purchase? What would I like to know about the purchase? Um, do they have plans to fix any of the problems that are going to make this kind of a nightmare? Or is it just kind of, uh, we can, so we will? What else would you like to know? I'd have to think about it. Jason, welcome to the program watching on Twitter. Gabby Lopez, welcome to the program watching on Twitter. Ask questions. There's no dumb question. Do we know that uh, are are the is the visual the visualization a uh, <clears throat> a proper um, visualization of what we know is coming or is that just a uh, is it just 
Um, it's the potential of what could. Yeah. I mean, it's. I think of, a fair question is, who bought the land? Yeah. I mean, you could probably look into what is it? Two wood. Two acre wood LLC. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. Neil Williamson, welcome to the program. Woody Fincham, welcome to the program. Keith Smith, Carly Wagner, James Watson, Joshua Tracy, Eric Thompson, Ray Cadell, Bob Yarborough, Michael Plecker, Andre Xavier, Seth Batten. We're going to continue the chat on real estate by highlighting what the National Association of Realtors have done in conjunction with the Mortgage Bankers Association and the National Association of Home Builders. These three organizations who have influence, clout, notoriety, who are organized and galvanized, have done a joint venture letter where they have pleaded and outlined a letter sent yesterday addressed to Jerome Powell, the Fed Board of Governors Chairman, outlining their concerns and worries about the direction of monetary policy and the impact it is having on the beleaguered real estate market. The National Association of Home Builders, the Mortgage Bankers Association, and the National Association of Realtors essentially on hand and knees, pleading the Fed and begging the Fed to lower or diminish or reduce its influence when it comes to monetary policy. It's raised the key borrowing rate 11 times since March of 2022. In less than three years, ladies and gentlemen, in less than three years, you've seen a mortgage rate for a 30-year fix nearly 4x. I have friends in our neighborhood who secured two twos, two threes on a 30 fixed and it's now a whiskers hair under 8%. This has happened at the exact same time that home values have escalated or appreciated 30, 40, 50, 60% while inventory levels are at decades low. And in our respective jurisdiction, our respective region, Central Virginia, Charlottesville, and Almaro County, Folks are flooding to the area, thousands by the thousands, with Scrooge McDuck-style bags of money. $11 billion invested by Louisa, by Amazon into Louisa. Data science, biotech school, UVA expanding enrollment, UVA hiring more staff to service expanded enrollment. Bloomberg, the media outlet, ranked Charlottesville 15th in the nation for hybrid and work from home potential. 15th in all of America. When you have values escalating at the same time debt services escalating, at the same time inventory levels are throttled, at the same time the population is increasing with wealthy people, you have a crisis. This from a viewer and listener that asked to remain anonymous, a female that we value tremendously on the program. Judah, are you ready? My husband has been battling cancer for almost two years. Mm -hmm. He gets up and goes to work. Honestly, it is good for him. It provides him a purpose. I have battled cancer twice personally, she says. People face hard stuff. You have to strap up and keep at it. This is part of my frustration with the folks camping out and the socialists who enabled the behavior of those camping in the park. 
Neil Williamson, the president of the Free Enterprise Forum, writes, If the city of Charlottesville, via the community vetted comprehensive plan projects, density should not... I'm not sure I understand this uh, comment, Neil. I'll read it verbatim. If the city of Charlottesville, via the community vetted comprehensive plan... Oh, projects density. Should not their infrastructure... Okay, now I understand it. Thank you. He did it. He wrote it exactly right. I'll read it now. I'm reading this on the fly. If the city of Charlottesville, via the community vetted comprehensive plan, projects density, should not their infrastructure investments mirror this desire? Neil says, whoever purchased the land does not matter. Property rights matter. And he says, more housing everywhere for everyone. I think who owns the land does matter because it's a noteworthy and notable parcel with tremendous upzoning potential and an LLC that is nameless. Did it matter that Wendell Wood and Bo Carrington had a joint venture on High Street in the floodplain next to the Rivanna River? Of course it did. Did it matter that Alan Kajin and Ludwig, per- Ludwig Kutner purchase X Park and are getting taxed on the potential of X Park as opposed to the park in its current form, a community-centric art epicenter? Of course it did. Did it matter that Chris Henry and Derry Market were trying to pursue phase three next to the 10th and Page neighborhood and caught community outcry, outrage? Of course it did. It matters who owns the property because it's an indication or a reflection of what the individual may or may not do with said property. We've got five elected officials watching the program as we speak. We've got a 145 conference call. I thought you were phenomenal today. Thank you. You broke news today. If you were a betting man on the 10th of October, how would you characterize the likelihood of first night VA happening in downtown Charlottesville on December 31st, which is less than 90 days away? I mean, I'd love to connect someone with my with my friend who's in charge of the of the website and get this thing rolling and ensure that we have something on uh, you know have something this year. But um, I, I I honestly don't know how I, it's got to be a massive undertaking to uh, to bring to bring enough bands and uh, businesses together to make this work. And I don't know that there's the time to make that happen. I would imagine most of the bands, I would imagine many of the noteworthy bands that could draw a crowd have already been booked for New Year's Eve at this point. Probably. And, and I don't know, uh, I don't know if there's someone who has the time and ability to, uh, to wrangle something like this together in uh, in less than three months' time, so I I've got to say my um, my expectations are very low that this is going to happen this year. Um, but miracles do happen, and we have some pretty amazing people in Charlottesville. Well said. That's the talk show for a Tuesday. Jam-packed, action-packed, noteworthy news, commentary back with reason and research, long-form content, not 15-second stories, not 30-second stories, no paywall. Water cooler of information for an educated, sophisticated, affluent, cosmopolitan 300,000 person market we call Central Virginia. My name is Jerry Miller. It's my pleasure to sit next to that man, Judah Whitcower. Thank you. 
I sincerely mean that. And this is the I Love Seville show on a great day to be alive. Take care, everyone.